This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church, located in Mequon, Wisconsin. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please visit our website, myabc.church. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Genesis 27. Genesis 27. As you're turning there, let's get our bearings again. In Genesis chapter 1 to 11, we're, we're presented with two major ideas. The first is that God made space for us. It's the first big idea. Creation, human beings did nothing to deserve existence. To even ask the question like that or to make a statement like that is nonsensical. God made space for us. It's creational grace and when he did he made it exceedingly good an existence like you and I have never known that's the first big idea of Genesis 1 to 11 the second big idea of Genesis 1 to 11 is that we have spoiled it (laughs) we ruined it when we decided not to listen to God and how he engineered the world to work As soon as we decided to go on our own and depart from the way God designed things to be, we mucked it up. And the result is what we experience day in and day out in small frustrations and big tragedies. The first two big ideas of Genesis uh, 1 to 11. Now in chapter 12, God comes to one particular man named Abraham. God says to to him, he says, Abraham, I'm going to save the world through your family. And the entire rest of the book, from 12 to the end of the book, is unpacking that plot line. How is it God is going to save the world through one man, through his family? Now, last week we looked at Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and one of the striking things we discover about God's plan to save the world through Abraham is that he's not doing it because Abraham's family is extraordinary. They're actually quite messed up, which is encouraging, right? It's encouraging. God does amazing things not because we're extraordinary, but in spite of it, in spite of the fact that we're very ordinary. Last week, we looked at a story of, of Jacob, who's Abraham's grandson, and, and the stairway, his dream that he had. And the story we noted last week is all about God's grace. God is giving Jacob a glimpse of a world invisible to him during his daily wakeful moments, but a real world nonetheless. And this, this world is one of flourishing and thriving in life. And this is Jacob's future, even though he hasn't done a thing to deserve it. This is grace. This is what God is like. Now today, we're going to move backwards in time. Last week, we noted that Jacob was a fugitive on the run. He had burned bridges. He had soured relationships. We're going to answer the question, what was that about? What was the story? What led him to be a fugitive on the run? So we're going to pick up the story. and I'm going to read Genesis 27, starting in verse 18. He, that is Jacob, went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? 
Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. And he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So when he went to him and kissed him, when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered. Your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. The whole theme of this story is blessing. So we're going to look at it and consider it today under four headings. We're going to look at the nature of blessing, why we want blessing, how we try to get blessing, and what it really takes to get blessing. The nature of it, why we want it, how we try to get it, and what it really takes to get it. First, the nature of it. I want to be brief with it, but it's important to establish the nature of this blessing. Probably when you're reading this story, you're thinking to yourself, why can't Isaac just call everyone back into the tent and say, you know what? Forget it. Everything I said, no, I recant it. Right? I mean, this charade that has happened, it just seems like, like a, a minor problem with an easy solution. This is where we're tempted to look at this story and think of these folks as primitive, backwater, uneducated folks who just don't know any better. But we have to resist the urge of looking at these people this way. That's to make us guilty of ethnocentrism. We don't want to go there. We need to dig into the nature of what was happening here. Why is it Isaac can't just recant all that he said? Because every character in the story seems to think this blessing thing is something that can be stolen. So what's their view of it? How, what was the nature of this thing? Well, this blessing involved a ceremony. 
And it was customary at that time for a father during his last days to pass blessing onto his sons with his firstborn getting the best. This was not done informally. Okay? When we hear the word blessing, what do we think sometimes? We think of, of something nice that someone said to us, right? Someone came up to you, they said something really nice to you, and you say, oh, you just blessed my heart. Right? Or they give you an act of service or a gift, right? And, and they blessed you, right? That's how we think of blessing. That's not what this is. That is not the nature of it. This involved a ceremony. It was not done informally. Now, can ceremonies be undone? Maybe the, the most well-known ceremony we have in our time is the wedding. Our culture has made it easier to undo the wedding ceremony. But... It wasn't intended to be that way, was it? Now, the wedding ceremony is meant to establish something that cannot be reversed, right? The wedding ceremony, however symbolic it may be, is powerful and unalterable. It's similar to what we have going on here. The blessing ceremony cannot just be undone. It can't just be reversed. It's meant to establish something that's permanent. This is why Isaac can't just call everyone back in the tent and say, forget it. Okay. I want to establish that first. Second, now why we want it. In a patriarchal society, having your father brag on you was the best endorsement you could ever receive. At that time, the father was the authoritative figure extraordinaire. He was admired, he was held in highest regard, and for a man of that standing to brag on you through powerful words and a formal ceremony was the greatest gift a son could ever receive. Now listen, your desire for this kind of blessing is every bit as strong as Jacob's desire, as Rebecca's desire for this blessing. It's every bit as strong. Nothing has changed in human nature from the story of, of Jacob to us that would say, whatever Jacob wanted, whatever Rebecca wanted, we don't want anymore. It's just not true. It's not enough for just anybody in your life to say something nice about you. That's not a blessing. Not just anybody can bless you. It has to be somebody who's important in your eyes. Someone you hold in high regard. Someone you esteem. A blessing from them, not just a nice word, but something more formal and structured. A blessing from them means something. Many of you men in this room have lived most of your lives without receiving this blessing. Many of you grew up and moved into adulthood without ever hearing your own father give you the nod. Many of your fathers never said to you, I love you, and meant it. Many of your fathers never said to you, I'm proud of you, and meant it. The absence of those words has left a gaping hole in your hearts. And you walk around every day wondering to yourself, am I okay? Am I enough? 
Do I make grade? Like Jacob, all you wanted was to not just hear those words of acceptance, but know that behind them stood conviction and belief. You wanted to be able to look on your father's face and see his approval. That's all you wanted, but you didn't get it. And I know it's in some, to some degree devastated your world. You're maybe visibly unsure of yourself, timid and withdrawn. You try to mask it with a confident but fake exterior. All it would have taken to set the wheels in motion and get you on the right track was to hear a blessing from your father. Maybe some of you ladies in the room have been living life unblessed as well. Maybe you're waiting to hear those words from your husband. Words that affirm your value and worth. Words that instill confidence in you. Words that let you know you are the one your husband wants. We desperately want this. We want blessing because we need to know we matter. We need to know we're special. We need to know we're significant. And and living life not knowing if we're okay, not knowing if we matter, living life like that is intolerable. So, how do we try to get it? How do we try to get it? How does Jacob try to get this blessing? He covers up. He tries to transform himself into someone he isn't. Because in his mind, who he is naturally is not someone his father will bless. This is how we do it, folks. We do it just like this. We cover up. We attempt to change who we are. We try to become somebody else. And we do this with each other all the time. We, we try to project a persona other than the one we're most comfortable in so that others will view us favorably. In college, I worked at a bank. All four years in college, I worked at a bank. I was a teller. And uh, <clears throat> over those four years, you really get to know your clients well. Uh, same faces come in day after day, and you get to be on a first-name basis with a lot of them. And such was the case for me. Um, There was one particular young man, probably in his early 20s, who absolutely dripped with charisma. He dripped with it. He would walk in the front door and he's beaming ear to ear with dimples that you can't even see through. And this guy was slick. He was so slick. I liked him. I couldn't wait for him to come through the door. We had a hoot. We would chat. He would hang around longer than he needed to. It was, it was wonderful. Well, one day, he um, pulled up to the drive through window where I was stationed, but I, was, I wasn't there. I wasn't at the window. Nobody was at the window. However, the microphone was on. And through the microphone, I heard him absolutely screaming 
at his girlfriend. Profanity-laced tirade. And I didn't recognize the voice at first because it was, it, it didn't sound like him. I'd never seen him or heard him like this. So when I walked up to the window, I saw who it was. I had to, to, to regain my composure over it because I was so thrown by it. He turned around to face me at the window. His face beat red and immediately, there was the smile. That was the first time I had had experienced a Jacob moment to that extreme. And it dawned on me that the most natural you is the you you are when nobody's looking. This young man's projected persona of charisma and smooth moves covered up his real self. Why? Because he knew his real self wouldn't get blessing. Now we're all participants in this game. We transform ourselves into people we aren't in order to become the kind of person that can receive blessing from the person or the group of people who possess the highest equity in our lives. My wife has shared stories with me of her growing up years. They were part of a church that expected everyone to be wearing their Sunday best clothes, hopping out of the car with smiles on their faces, Bibles in hand, carrying an air of godliness about them. Never mind what had happened that morning or that week, which might wipe the smile off their faces and tempt them to want to find a shoulder to cry on instead or an ear to bend. In that context, clothes and smiles covered up their real selves, and that was the expectation. They were in a church culture that forced people to become someone else. Social media has exacerbated this proneness to covering up in order to get blessing. Nancy Jo Sales has written a scary book entitled American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers. She interviewed girls between the ages of 13 and 19 in 10 different states to try to uncover their secret lives on social media, in most instances unknown to even their parents. One girl she interviewed says this, I never post the first selfie I take. Sometimes it takes like 70 tries. Sales tells the story of Padma, whose Facebook picture showing her in casual clothes, hanging out with friends, garnering very few likes. One day, Padma began posting pictures of herself in more revealing clothing and getting lots of likes, as well as comments like sexy and porn star. Another teenager, Riley, says, it's funny it's called a selfie because half the time it doesn't look like you. So you're getting people to like this picture of you that isn't even real. What we put out there for people to see is whatever we think will increase our stature and make us look good before others. And we don't just do that with each other. We do that with God as well. 
we may barely acknowledge his existence during the week. And then Sunday comes, and we're in church, praying, singing songs, giving our money, in hopes that God will overlook the weekday me and bless the Sunday me. We use our spiritual activities as our covering in an attempt to persuade God of who the real me is. Just like Jacob, we're convinced that we'll never get the Father's blessing unless we change who we are. So here's the million-dollar question. Does it work? Does it work? You might say, well, Pastor, it seemed to work for Jacob. He got this irreversible blessing by changing who he is. Well, on the surface, it looks like that's what it takes. On the surface, it looks like all we need to do is change who we are. We'll get the Father's blessing. Maybe you think like this. I change who I am. God will bless me. Put yourself in Jacob's shoes in that tent when this was unfolding. Your mother has cooked your father's favorite food using Esau's recipe. You're decked out in Esau's clothes. You've been made artificially hairy just like Esau. You with me, ladies? You walk into the house looking like Esau, smelling like Esau, feeling like Esau, carrying Esau's famous stew. You attempt to throw your voice to sound like Esau just enough to fool your blind father. You succeed. And Isaac begins to bless you. But as he's saying these words, what are you thinking? He's not really blessing me. He's blessing someone he thinks is Esau. Isaac finishes, and you walk away feeling empty. Because you know your father's affection isn't really for you. It's for someone else. Someone you aren't. The blessing he gave you wasn't for you. It was for someone else. You're empty because you realize you need to become somebody you can't become on your own in order to get this blessing. You getting this blessing isn't a matter of, of just changing yourself into someone who's blessable. The person who gets blessed is someone you can't possibly become. The person who gets blessed is someone you can't possibly change yourself into, so you're stuck. So what does it really take to get it? What does it really take to get this blessing? Let's think about this together. What did Jacob need in order to really, truly get his father's blessing? He needed to be the firstborn. But he wasn't. Esau was. Listen, we need to be the firstborn if we're going to get blessing. But there's a problem. We aren't. We are the second born. 
We are the younger sibling. The blessing doesn't come to us. The blessing goes to the firstborn. So who is that? Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says this. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Who's the firstborn? Jesus is. Firstborn gets blessed. The secondborn does not. Jesus is the firstborn. Therefore, he's the one who gets blessing. In fact, the Father gives him the blessing in Matthew 3, 17, when he pronounces for everyone to hear, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The blessing falls on the firstborn, who is Jesus. That doesn't solve our problem, does it? We want this blessing, but we still don't have it. How do we get it? How do you get to hear the Father say of you, you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love deeply. With you, I am very pleased. How do we get the Father to say that about us? Go back to the story. Esau is the true firstborn son of Isaac. Therefore, conventional wisdom says he should receive the blessing, but instead, he gets the curse. Jacob is the conniving, deceitful secondborn, and yet he receives the blessing. Don't you see? Jesus in the gospel is all over the pages of this story. In the gospel, the curse falls upon the true firstborn, Jesus Christ, and the blessing falls upon the conniving, deceitful secondborn, you and me. The apostle Paul put it this way, Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. On the cross, the curse fell upon the true firstborn so that the blessing can come to the secondborn, and that's you and me. And that's clearly shown us in Hebrews 12. The writer's describing heaven in Hebrews 12. This is what the writer says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Do you see that? Do you see that? The church of the firstborn. On the cross, the Father cursed the Son so that you and I could become the firstborn. On the cross, Jesus willingly laid down his right to receive firstborn blessing so that the Father may say of you, you are my son, you are my daughter, with you I am deeply pleased. If you can hear the Father genuinely say these words to you and about you, your search for blessing is over. Your search for significance is over. Everything you've tried to make yourself into in order to impress those around you comes to an end if you can genuinely hear your heavenly Father say about you and to you, you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love dearly. With you I'm very pleased. So how do you hear those words? How does that happen in real life? 
there's a backstory to the one that we've looked at today. Jacob and Esau are twins. While Rebekah, their mother, was pregnant with them, the Lord came to her and said this, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. You see that from the very beginning, Jacob was supposed to receive the blessing. From the very beginning. That goes against tradition. That goes against cultural practice. No way should the younger get the blessing. The blessing belongs to the older one. Why has God turned everything upside down and backwards? Why is he doing this? Well, he's doing it to show you something profound. He's saying to us, I bring blessing to the second born as a free gift. You're entitled to nothing. Stop trying to make yourself into something I will bless. Stop trying to change yourself into someone who will impress me. Unlike Isaac, I see right through that. You won't succeed. Look to the cross where you see the true firstborn, my son, Jesus, taking upon himself the curse of the secondborn, the curse intended for you. And he's doing it to show you how much he wants the blessing to fall on you. Stop trying to work for it. It's a gift. And be amazed at what my son is doing for you. And receive the gift. In daily life, we all feel like we have to project a persona other than the one we really are in order to get blessing. But if you are a Christian, you already have the firstborn blessing of God. If Jacob already had his father's blessing, he wouldn't have felt the need to become somebody he wasn't. We already have the firstborn blessing of the Father. Listen, through the cross, God is showing us we can be truly and fully known and truly and fully loved simultaneously. You won't find that anywhere else. Everywhere you go, you will feel a pressure to have to dress up to please or impress those around you. Because if people saw who you really were and saw you fully and truly, they would reject you. On the cross, God is showing you the depth of his love for you because he sees right through you. He knows you truly, he knows you fully, and yet Jesus is still there for you. There's no longer a need to dress up. Maybe you're questioning whether or not you have the Father's blessing. Remember, getting God's blessing is not about cleaning up your act. It's not about changing your persona. Getting God's blessing is about seeing and understanding that on the cross, Jesus is taking from us the curse we deserve in order to give us the blessing we don't deserve. When that truth moves in and takes up residence in your life, you will hear the Father pronounce an irreversible blessing. 
when that truth moves in and takes up residence in your life, you will hear the Father say of you, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love deeply. With you, I'm very pleased. Let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the amazing news contained in this story. We dress up. We try to become someone we aren't in order to get the blessing of others, of you. All the while, you've offered us your blessing freely through Jesus. Move us, God, viscerally by the message of the gospel. The curse of the second born has fallen on Jesus so we can receive the blessing of the firstborn. Convince us, God, that, that when our hearts are melted by this news, we can hear you say of us, you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love deeply. With you, I am very pleased. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear this amazing news. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.